Hello, I'm Will Yeoman and welcome to another episode of the Pod Well Travelled. And it's my great pleasure to welcome back to the show travel editor Stephen Scarfield, who has been out and about for the last fortnight or so. As, as regular listeners will know, of course, Stephen, we, we've missed you, or have we? <laughs> <laughs> the brutal truth. Uh, or have oh look! I've got so much great well, feedback saying, "Oh, this this is pretty good on the show." Even though Stephen wasn't there, it was a really good show. <laughs> thought, oh, because okay. of maybe, maybe it's because of. <laughs> no, seriously. Well, look. Well, I have the mission to make. It's that the, the the second week that I was away, I did think about ringing you and saying mm. we could do live, but I was I was I was incapable of doing that because I was so lost in the place that I was that. I felt really removed, you know, like I really couldn't get myself together to even kind of talk about it. I feel like I've been to another planet. Yeah, and that that other planet is the East Pilbara, which you describe yeah. as being just completely like no, no other place on Earth. Well, it absolutely is. I mean, the East Pilbara, so we're, we're talking about, I mean, Firstly, let's start by saying the East Pilbara Shire is the biggest shire on the planet. So it's a massive area. Newman is the centre of it, but I'm really talking about northeast of Newman, mm. uh, Marble Bar, um, Nullagai and Marble Bar, and then out east of there, down the Ripon Hills Road as far as Carawine, then you get Telford Woody Woody. So that, that area there. Right. And the... the the really important thing to understand about that area, which is, you know, way beyond the whole sort of Karajini experience um, in the in the Pilbara, because this is the East Pilbara is a window into deep time. Mm. That's a geologist's phrase. Mm. So this place is the oldest place on Earth. It's the oldest crustal um, uh, coverage on Earth. So we're seeing a glimpse of what the world was like three and a half billion years ago, three quarters of the way back in the history of the, the planet, if you like, the formation of the planet, um, before fish climbed out of the sea, before multicellular life. So there, there is one spot in southern Africa which is similar, but really the East Pilbara is recognized as being the oldest place on Earth. You know, So for... A, and it's just, it's just like being on another planet. I find mm. it a really intense experience being there at the kind of start of everything, as far as we can we can look back. Mm. I mean, it, it's interesting the way you talk about it because it sounds you, you're talking purely geological terms, aren't you? Because if, say say if we look at what's the most diverse place in Western Australia, we have to head further down south, don't we, to somewhere like Fitzgerald River National Park, where the, the diversity of flora and fauna is extraordinary and one of the most diverse places in the world. So to take those two together, it really does paint a almost a complete picture of Western Australia, doesn't it? It does. It does. You know, I mean, what's so weird and contrasting and interesting about the East Pilbara is, you know, for example, um, there's a new mine there called Sanjeev Ridge, just mm. the other side of uh, east of um, Marble Bar. Right. So, you know, big trucks with four trailers, you know, 70, 90 tonnes of ore coming out of there, iron ore. And, you know, the modern the modern industry that we all rely on so heavily in Australia as, as an income is sort of based in that, in deep time as well. 
Mm. You know, that these formations and the iron ore and the lithium um, and a lot of kind of rare earths that are used in for EVs, uh, electric vehicle batteries and so on, being found and lots of mining activity happening in the East Pilbara around Nullagine as well. Mm. So all these kind of, all the way forward industries touch this deep time place as well, touch this three and a half billion year old story, you know, and, and they're the future. So, I mean, if, if you, once you get your head into it, it's actually quite a, uh, an absorbing and confronting and um, you know, really demanding sort of place for me because you've got the beginning of the story, you've got the current story, and you've got the future story all mm, in this, all in one place. this incredibly intense landscape. You know, perhaps people will be able to picture Marble Bar itself. There is what was called a Marble Bar, which is this sort of reef of jasper, this mm. red and white and cream lined. You know, it looks like toothpaste, um, especially when it's wet. Which it, you know, we, it was wet, which we'll probably talk about at the moment, but. Um, so, you know, very beautiful landscape. You get just after sunset, you get this kind of weird amber light across the landscape. And you get that same light on these still mornings. It's just this gold amber mm. hue mm. lighting up the ranges. And it's extraordinary. Birds, jabaroos. I was sitting watching a couple of jabaroos. Um, wow, it's just, it's just a wild place. And I find it, so by the time you can perhaps here in the way I'm talking, by the time I got to the second Tuesday, I don't think I was capable of speaking to anyone, really. Mm, so. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, very intense. Extraordinary. Now, you mentioned Marble Bar, of course, the hottest place on Earth, but not not this time of the year. And indeed, Uncarriage is sickly wet. Wow, yeah. I mean, the weather patterns coming through in the last um, two or three weeks, but a couple of weeks, um, you know, through those big... Um, Events coming through, you know, Headland and mm. Karratha and down the coast, and then they were actually tailing off right through the Pilbara, slightly further north than used to. We're used to them sort of sliding away further south into the goldfields, but they were coming across. Um, so, for example, even on the way back, you know, Newman, uh, we got stuck in Newman for an extra bit of time on the way up because it was raining hard. Mm. Um, and we're talking about 20, 25. 30 mils of rain uh, in a in a session the other day. Um, and of course, that country is actually, once it's saturated, everything then just sits on top. Mm. So quite a lot of the roads have been closed but are now reopening. So it's it's all sort of drying out now. And I think those events seem to have, seem to have passed. And with that, I mean, on the way out there, hardly saw a caravan. But coming home over the weekend, um, well, what, I was just watching caravans really getting moving and heading north. So a little bit, obviously just waiting for that those rain events to pass. Yeah, yeah, and sure. probably, you know, we're seeing more people sticking to the inland route because the coast has just been hammered by, by weather, as, you, as we all know. Mm. Oh, it sounds like it was an extraordinary trip. And you're going to be writing a little bit about this in our pages? Even though, yeah, even though I, that was ostensibly a holiday, you, you're not under no obligation to write about anything, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was no, of course, of course, of course, we want to share these things. Um, it's our nature, you know. Mm. When you drive down a, a road and you look up these scree slopes, and on the top there's this brown crust, right? Um, and those are stromatolites. So these are fossilized stromatolites, all on top of these mesas, these flat top hills. 
and stromatolites were the first oxygenators. So they lived in an atmosphere without oxygen and produced oxygen as a byproduct. When you drive through a landscape like that in this unique place in the world, of course you want to share it and share mm. that story because it's it's embedded in what makes us what we are, you know, and makes this state what it is, the most unusual place. No, look, it's really interesting. And you, I just wanted to go quickly back to this idea of Marble Bar being the hottest place in the world, if, if that's still the case, because of the shifting weather patterns and, and the changing climate. Do you, do you think that's, that may well change in the future? Um, look, it may change. It's, it's a long-standing sort of record there. But mm. then, uh, you know, we've got, got friends there, locals there, and they had a very hot summer right, you know, okay. last year. So. Yes. I think they're well poised to keep their crown. <laughs> keep the crown, yes. <laughs> rather, rather dubious honour. Um, <laughs> that's right, of course. You know, the place will, the place, in another way, the place will hot up because it's the Marble Bar race round coming up. So, you know, people start to turn up for that. Um, and then it, towards the end of the year, it, it gets very hot there. You know, yeah. The locals. Most, it's quite interesting, you know, you, you find in the Kimberley, which geologically is a much, much younger um situation piece of piece of rock you know mm. the Kimberley base sort of drifted in and welded on later but you know you find traditionally have found people saying the Kimberley and other parts of the world sort of leaving in the hospital wet but I, I do find in the East Pilbara people live there and they kind of sit out through the hot weather they're a they're an interesting bunch and um so it's a it's a very interesting connected place to be if you've if you live in the East Pilbara I think that you've got a real connection to that landscape. Can I take us somewhere cooler now and head down south because you and I are oh, going to be oh, going down to Albany, <laughs> Albany oh, in July for the Albany Maritime Festival and, and we're Hold going on. to I'm be doing get, some stuff my there. Beanie out. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit, a bit like a snap fr- freeze, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Albany, um, fantastic, isn't it? Because, you know, Albany's story is maritime. You mm. know? So, um, yeah, the Maritime Festival, they really, the city of Albany have really shaped up a very good festival this year. So, as you say, we're, we're heading down as part of that. Yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to it. So I, I have to admit, as much as you're talking about the, the Pilbara and the Kimberley, I, I prefer the cooler climb. So, <laughs> no, it looks well, like a lot of our readers do as well because there are a lot of people booked to join us. Yes, that's right. So we're, um, we're you know, everyone might know that we're doing a gala dinner um, mm. on the, um, we're, we're down for a long weekend, around about 16th, 17th of July. We're doing a gala dinner on the Saturday night at the Entertainment Centre. You and I are leading photo walks with phones down there, yes. which will be huge yeah, fun. It's such a great place to do that. Uh, the photo walks with phones are free. So, and they're filling very fast, not mm. just because they're free. Mm. <laughs> well, maybe because they're Ooh. free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, if you look for Event City of Albany, you'll find photo walks with phones, and anyone interested should get their name down pretty quickly for those. Uh, we've got two of those. Mm. And, um, but, you know, there's the, um, there's the Day at Sea in July, which launches the festival. They've got a menu map, so they've got 10 businesses taking part in this sort of oh, maritime taste trail. Mm. There's a treasure trail map. Uh, there's a sea shanty, Songs of the Sea Night. Um, there's two very interesting indigenous 
maritime history sessions, which we'll talk about, um, you know, the past connection to the coast and, and the, the oceans. Um, so lots going on uh, right through July in Albany for the Albany Maritime Festival. And the say, City of Albany done a fantastic job. Um, they started that last year and they've really stepped it up this year. So congratulations to them. Oh, look, as I say, I can't wait to, to get down there next month. Um, in the meantime, and staying in cooler climes, I did manage to spend a couple of days while you were away in Melbourne, of all places, which is also at this time of the year very cold and very wet. And you know what? Yeah. I, I, that's been the first time I've been back to Melbourne for about three years. And yeah. and I visited the Queen uh, Victoria Markets, which I hadn't been back to for three decades. So there you go. Wow. Talk about deep time. <laughs> <laughs> Did, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, obviously you've, you saw a huge difference there. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, um, un- unfortunately, the, the ravages of, of the lockdowns are still very much evident in a lot of uh, vacancies. You walk down some of those lovely arcades, for example, and there were so many Felice signs up, and that, that's quite sad to see. Um, and I know yep. go, going to the Queen Vic markets after such a long period too, look, essentially it hasn't changed. There are, one of the larger sheds is still shut down for renovations, so they're really trying to um, to, to, to build on, the, on, the, on the, the precinct's heritage, if you like, which is fantastic to see because at one point the developers were thinking, you know, it's going to knock it all down, a lot of it, and that was, a, I think, there were a lot of protests at the time. That was back in, like, 2018, 2019, um, the other big thing was they had those um, sort of anti-lockdown um, protests there as well. So to go back today and just look at it, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's all happening. The, the offerings of fresh fruit and veggies is as incredible as it has always been. The prices are amazing. Um, you know, and, and look, it's interesting too to see a lot of people still wearing masks as well. More people over there because of their experience than there are here in Western Australia. So that, that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm. But look, I, you know, it was it was wonderful to revisit those places. I look, and I think you know, all credit to you because it's it's so important for us to, to do that work to you know to highlight places and to to chart this sort of coming back. I mean, there's this sort of feeling that the pandemic's over, but in actual fact, we're the figures that we've got at the moment with you know infections and death. You know, if we'd had that eight months ago, we'd all be in our bedrooms, you know. Well, exactly. Sort of but, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I think I think you know. So all credit to you. you. I know that you went and found lots of terrific stories over oh, there. Oh, lots of amazing things. Um, you know, can, may, may I just jump in and men- mention on the other side of the coin the way that a lot of older businesses have made a huge comeback. I um, stayed at the Sofitel in the sort of the so-called Paris end of Collins Street. And my goodness, the, you know, the rooms have been refurbished. They've really embraced the sort of the, you know, the chic wow. Parisian style to the extent that every staff member greets you with a bonjour, uh, which is wow. quite funny at first. I thought, what, do they think I'm French or something? But uh, it's, it's, <laughs> clear, it's clearly a policy of theirs now to, to market wow. this precinct as very much you know, the, the, the Paris end of town. And yeah. and it's good. It was good to see it looking as as sparkling and as beautiful, you know, as, as it always has been. So that that, yeah. that that's amazing. Well, it's interesting because the restart requires focus and energy, and that's what we're seeing with a lot of these businesses. But I mean, I must say, Paris meets Melbourne is has got William and written all over. <laughs> I tell you what, I wanted to get a um 
a uh, um, some a pastry or a croissant or something at um at Loon. I think I think it's how you say it. Loon is it um a very famous Melbourne bakery and they and they they've got a sort of a not a pop up but a smaller shop just around the corner, um in the same part of town. And I saw this huge queue and I thought, oh, are they buying tickets or something? You know, from a distance. And then I realised it was just this shop and they were just queuing up for these really? croissants. You will not wow. believe the length of this queue. I thought these people are absolutely insane. But then again, if you love, you know, if you love this kind of food, <laughs> you put in the hours. <laughs> Did you put in the hours? No, I, no as I was saying, I, I didn't. I just kept walking. <laughs> I thought, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Too busy. But yeah, look, look for anyone thinking of going to Melbourne, it's it's a beautiful time of the year. It's still very autumnal. The, the leaves and the trees are wonderful. There's so much happening. I've still believe it's the cultural capital of australia without without yep. question the cafes you know and those those laneway cafes and restaurants they're all still there some of them might have changed hands but i didn't see any empty shops in that instance and they're as busy mm-hmm. they're as busy as ever it's just amazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting and of course a lot of um, a lot of traffic a lot of people traveling around australia at the moment to visit friends and relatives just catching up after the last <clears throat> two or so years so well, exactly. Um, all these all these spots are great for sort of family visits or days out, and w- while you're over there for extended visits uh, in Victoria. Well, exactly, and if if you do, I should or just to, to close, I should add that the reason I was there to, was to see a fabulous new exhibition at the National Gallery of Victoria called the Picasso Century, just to stay with the French theme, because they've brought yeah. some some wonderful masterpieces over from the Pompidou Centre and also the Musée National. Um, uh, Picasso pa- Paris, so which is an amazing and probably less slightly lesser known uh, gallery, but it's it's just like an incredible exhibition. And um, just to if you're over there and you want that uh, you know that kind of French experience without travelling to Europe, then visit the exhibition, wander down Collins Street, get a pastry if you can, and just enjoy the vibe. That's my advice. Fantastic, and of course you can find all of Will's stories online at thewest.com.au forward slash travel. Indeed. Including that Picasso story, which is beautiful. So, mm, mm. so Well, we've, been, yeah. we've certainly been around the um, around the continent this morning. Um, <laughs> Travelled in I time must, and space, as they say. Yeah, I must just add something that's coming up a lot internationally is <clears throat> the cost of airfares. Um, mm. We've been looking into that, and Geoffrey Thomas, uh, aviation is the who's not with us this morning because he's on a plane on the way to Bali. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeffrey's been doing research into that. And really, the cost of fuel is absolutely, you know, hammering airlines, having been through what they have for the last two years. You know, a lot of the, the, the jet fuels have pretty well doubled in price. And um, that's what's coming through in pricing. So if you're looking at a flight from... Australia to London, you know, between now and Christmas or early next year, I'm afraid they're only going to go one way and that's up, you know. Mm. So as, Je- as Jeffrey puts it uh, in a story that he just filed actually last night, um, if you see a, what you think is a good deal now for that sort of time frame, take it just grab it. Mm. prices are not going back down, you mm. know, with, with what's going on. Of course, you know, that's driven by the the war in Ukraine and fuel shortages and, you know, the whole logistics supply chains issues. So we're only going one way with that. Um, and, of course, added to that, and you've just experienced this, you know, you've got uh, staff 
issues on airlines because of COVID. Mm. People catching COVID. And, and also people leaving the industry and then they're not being yeah. able to retrain new staff quickly enough. That's right. So even though, as we've just said, we, we like to think we're post-pandemic, you know, mm. there's, there's a lot going on at the moment um, that's really affecting it with the addition of the Ukraine war adding to fuel issues. So <clears throat> just be aware that, you know, there are still some ch- challenges in travelling mm. and um, and be aware that costs, you know, costs are rising. Exactly. And I think that those challenges too, I mean, it's for us, isn't it, Stephen, it's all about travelling responsibly. You know, if you, if you are travelling interstate and you feel like you want to take extra precautions, you know, you know, wear a mask, practice social distancing, just practice basic hygiene, and, and you should be pretty fine. I know more people that have COVID or had COVID than I do that didn't, which is extraordinary. Yep. And yep. Yep. I mean, there are lots of different reasons for that. But, you know, I've been back a few days now and touch wood, I feel 100% fine. But, but I took the absolute, you know, pretty, pretty full-on precautions because I realise that for our job, we, it's not great for us to be out of the picture for too long. We're, we're cranking up at the moment, aren't we, in the travel sphere? So Yeah, you know, yeah we are. Yeah, it's just yeah. worth mentioning. Just, just take the precautions and you can have a very enjoyable time and not have to yeah. worry. Look, you're exactly right. About, you know, as we've said, I've just been out and about for a couple of weeks. Mm. You know, and if you wear a mask and you sanitise and keep your distance, you know, um, I was talking with people, but from a sort of, you know, three metre distance, we just stood and, they respect. We just stood away from each other and chatted, and you don't have to be that close, you know, no. in the open. So there's a physicality to not catching COVID, which you know is pretty simple as well. Well, exactly, and I mean, obviously, you can't avoid that uh, proximity when you're in an aircraft, and that's why they still get us to wear masks for the duration of the journey. Right. So, um, look, Stephen, as, as the, the bottom line is, <laughs> we we want people to travel again. We want people to enjoy themselves, and part of that is looking after themselves. Exactly right. Couldn't have put it better myself, which is why you clearly don't need me anymore. So <laughs> you are we're, we're redundant. Back where, we're back to where we began. <laughs> complete, a full complete circle. Episode. Well, look, Stephen. No, in all seriousness, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on board, and I look forward to talking to you and hopefully some other members of our West Travel Club team again next week. In the meantime, as you said, you can read us in the pages of the West on Saturday and Sunday. You can read us online anytime. And on uh, westtravelclub.com.au as well, in fact, which is um, it's got a lot of our guides, including your Africa guide, freely available, unlocked, and um, yeah. it's all there. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Seymour, you have a, a Thanks, great Will. week. Great talking to you. Bye now. And you.